This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everybody, welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. Happy New Year to everyone, it is our first podcast of 2019. Uh, I'm Aaron Flanagan, hosting today, um, joining me, Matty Lawless, obviously, you're back. How's Happy it going? Happy New Year everybody. Yeah, how's it going? You okay, Matty? Very well, yeah. Good stuff, and uh, joining us for a first appearance in this um, year. Oh yeah, first appearance this year, but uh, first appearance in quite some time, uh, Alex Richards, how are you doing mate? Yeah, not too bad mate, back from injury. Ready to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good to be called up once more. Hopefully, get a few oh, he's, goals. He's like a new signing, you know. He's come back into the squad and he's raring to go. And yeah, it's great to have him back. Yeah, completely refreshed. Um, we'll start uh, today with Manchester City versus Liverpool. What a uh, game! What a game of football. Um, and obviously, I'm a happy blue with a smile on my face now. Um, it was a, uh, a genuinely superb performance from Manchester City. I think yeah, it was the two best teams in the Premier League going. Head to head, wasn't it? And in every sense, it was the best advert you could have had for Premier League football. And um, I just felt that there was there was probably more from Liverpool. I expected, to be honest. Um, I do question their tactics for that game. I think Klopp was just desperate not to lose, wasn't he? And you know, when they got the equaliser back, they looked like they could have got they were on top for a bit. And City's counter attacking football is just superb. But there's so many positives uh, all around the pitch. And I mean, for Liverpool, there's a lot of questions where can they respond to this? And, and that's what makes this title race thrilling. Yeah, I, t- I said in the office kind of before the game, I, I was really confident about City going into it. And I don't know what it was. Um, I don't know. They just I, f- I felt like City were due a big game and a big performance after kind of a kind of obviously the three defeats in four. Um, but the squad as well, Fernandinho back in there, David Silva back in there, Aguero back up front. It was like the spine of the team. Uh, was was back together. I mean, uh, Alex, uh, how did you see the game? Were you just as impressed with City as I was? I think I think they got their tactics right. I think they were spot on in that respect. But I think it's you know it was a game of such fine margins. Um, you know the effort that hits the post exactly. and John Stones clears it off Edison and, and it's it's a, eleven millimeters that was. You know that's so close. <laughs> yeah. um, that goes in. It's a completely different evening. I think because then City have to really open up. They have to really go for it and then. They're vulnerable to the counter. Um, you mentioned Fernandinho. He made the world of difference in midfield. He was excellent all night. Um, he actually really struggled in games against Liverpool last season when Oxlade-Chamberlain kept running past him and just kept bypassing him. Oxlade-Chamberlain, of course, injured. So Liverpool missed that player last night. And Fernandinho was excellent, sweeping things up, making blocks, interceptions, and really getting City on the front foot. Um, him and Jordan Henderson pulls apart last night. Oh, with, yeah. with what they did with the ball. I, I'd like to see the stats of Henderson's complete passes going forwards. I don't think you'll see many. Fernandinho really got City moving and he was backing up play terrifically. And I think that's really where it was... I don't want to 
you know, be overly critical of Jordan Henderson because he's a very good player. But I think that's where this game was won and lost. That ability, City had to take the ball under pressure and move forwards with it. And Liverpool just couldn't quite do that as efficiently. But let's ask a question then. Obviously, you mentioned Jordan Henderson. Is he good enough to be in a title-winning team? Because bear in mind, this is a man who is Liverpool captain. He's England vice-captain. Um, is, he, is he actually a title winner? The issue there is, though, that you've got players like Wes Morgan, Danny Simpson and Michael Brighton with winner's medals in their back pocket from their Leicester victory. So he's a title winner if those around him can cover for his shortcomings, which, which they're very much capable of. Um, he's not a bad player. If he wins a title, then he'll have deserved it. Um, I just think that in this particular game, his shortcomings were exposed. Uh, Matty, um, where do Liverpool go from here? Obviously, they've um, they've lost for the first time this season. Though obviously, they no longer can have an invincible season, much to the delight of a lot of Arsenal fans I saw <laughs> on social media. Um, what what next for them? Because this is a new feeling for them this season. That season they haven't lost a game. Is this? I don't know. I think I is think it potentially time to worry? To, to be honest with you, it could be a good thing for them because the whole invincible tag would have been hanging over them and people would be waiting for them to slip. And that pressure, is, you know, the pressure on top of actually trying to win the title is is extraordinary. So they've got that away from them now. Now they can focus. They know what they need to do. They've got a four-point cushion, don't forget. They they know they cannot avoid... Uh, sorry, they cannot afford to slip up in two games. That's, that's, the, that's what we're talking about now. They've got a win and a draw ahead of City. If they can carry on as they are, the goal difference is the same, I believe. I think they're both on plus 39. So, you know, that's what it's all about for Liverpool. They have to focus. They cannot afford any more slip-ups because, realistically, can you see City falling to anybody else this season? I don't think they can, I don't think they will. So, I think I think uh, they might have a couple of difficult games uh, to come yet. But, for me, Liverpool know exactly what the job is and that is to, to win as many football games as they can. I don't think there's a lot that they need to change, do they? You know, it's a performance no. where they, they they didn't play badly by any stretch of the imagination. They were still at a certain level that you've come to expect from them and it was just the finer details. You know, Leroy Sane's winner hits the post and goes oh, in. Right. Mo Salah has a similar effort that Edison makes a brilliant save from. It's just fine margins on that? the night. And, and I think it was extraordinary. I was listening on the way home last night. I was in the office for the game, um, listening to the phone-ins on, um, on the radio. And uh, there were some Liverpool supporters actually calling for Klopp's head. I mean, it's a remarkable thing to say. I mean, they were just saying that if he doesn't win the title this season, he's, he's a failure. Well, look, OK, he hasn't won anything with Liverpool. But to see how far Liverpool have come. I mean, we were talking in the, in, in the summer there was no team in the Premier League who could possibly match City or compete with them. I think anybody, any Liverpool fan out there would take a four-point lead over City at this stage any day of the week. So I find that remarkable, really. And there was a lot of people saying he got his tactics wrong. I just felt that perhaps he should have started Fabinho. But don't forget, it's been it's been a taxing um, festive time, hasn't it? With, with all the fixtures coming thick and fast. And Liverpool have had some tough games uh, over Christmas, don't forget. So that was the thing that I was really impressed with last night. I've seen a lot of football this Christmas. And a lot of it's been turgid. It really has. I mean, uh, the first half at West Ham Brighton the other night was awful. And, you know, Everton Leicester was shocking. But what you saw... Um, at the Etihad were two teams who were the best teams in the league but also the fittest teams in the league when you look at Bernardo Silva's stats where 
you know, he's he's run eight point five. I got, I got miles. tired watching him. <laughs> he, you know, he, he's, he's got just a extraordinary great engine on him. And that's what made that game so thrilling last night. And I couldn't couldn't agree more with Al that you know it could have easily gone the other way. And easily gone the other way if, if you know if that ball goes over the line, eleven millimeters was the difference. The Sane shot is the post before then, and then and then there's other moments like you know so and it, the other big talking point from the game, of course, was uh, was was company a red card and uh, many people were kind of divided on this one. Some say yes, some say no. Al says orange. Um, yeah, it's, it's one. It's one of those. It's, you know, you've seen yellows for them, you've seen reds for them. I don't really like the hypocrisy of Jurgen Klopp post-game coming out and, you know, after, after such a good game that that's his focus, that's his, where he puts his attention. You know, Virgil van Dijk on Dries Mertens in the Champions League last month, far worse. And he caught him far higher and took him out of the ankle. Barely a mention post-game I the ref, there. I thought the ref Anthony Taylor, who's actually refed the most games in the Premier League this year, 18 he's refed. I thought he handled it superbly last yeah, night. And I think I he probably is the best ref in the Premier League. But don't forget... He based that decision, I think, on the context of the game. It wasn't a nasty game. It was aggressive, and it was, and it yeah. was brilliant. He was trying to let the game flow. And I think if he would have made that decision to send company on for that tackle, and it wasn't as bad as... as you We've know, seen worse. Yeah, and, and, and live, for me, I just thought, oh, that was a good tackle. Um, the, the night for Abdullah Decore for Watford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Far worse tackle. Yeah, Only he got, got away with that on Fraser, yeah. didn't he? Bournemouth yeah. lad, but... Yeah, I mean, that, that was definitely a wrong decision. For me, company should have been red carded. I think it was just... Just marginally too high, but is that a bit too studs up and a slightly too much? But is that with the benefit of replays? Would you have given that as a live decision? For, yeah, for well, me, when I saw it first, of all, I thought, oh, he's done well there. Salah just gets out of the way; he does get caught. When I when I saw the, the tackle first on TV, I, my natural instinct was that's a bad tackle. You don't think red card straight when, away? When I first saw it, it, my first thought was don't send him off. Yeah, just for the first thing that comes to mind, just don't send him off for the game for everything that's on the line here. Just let them go at it. Give him a yellow, and and thankfully that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I like to think that I can spot bad tackles quite quite well. I knew it was bad. I just didn't. I, I didn't think it'd be red. Obviously, it was the replay where I go, yeah, it's probably a red. And and next season when VAR's in in force, it probably will be a red. Like yeah, it, that could easily regard, be reviewed regardless right. of what Anthony Taylor has done before they restart it. He's going to get a word in his ear and say, let's just have a watch. And by the letter of the law. Absolutely, He'd be walking. yeah. Because the feet, the studs are off the ground, and you know, it's 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 one of those really. Is that, is that, that a major mistake? Again, it opens your VAR debate. Is that a major mistake that a referee needs to go and change? I don't think so. I think you can, if you, he had VAR there, he it's, could look at it and go, "I'll stick my decision." Actually, it's, 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 I would like to see that personally. It, yes. it's, it's a game-changing moment though, when you know it is what VAR is going to do. Yeah. VAR is going to review anything that can potentially change the game. And that is um, that is one of them. Um, like you, though, obviously, I was delighted it wasn't a red card because you know it made for a, a, a thrilling contest. Um, in, in in the end, who wins the title then from now on? Uh, Liverpool now have a four point lead. Uh, Tottenham only six points back as well. Well, uh, I've always said from from day dot, you know, if you give me twenty quid, I'd stick it on City. I just I think they've been there before. They know what they're doing, and and like I say, it just depends on how Liverpool respond. I just can't see anybody but City, really. Yeah, Alex. Out of the three of them, because you've got to include Spurs in it. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. I, I, it will be a City or Liverpool shootout. I think much will depend on the Champions League. Yeah. And if, as as Matty says, if you had to give me twenty pound now, I think I would be going with City still. Yeah. I, again, gut feeling. I'm, I'm with you on it. I think I'm just about City. 
Um, interesting, the next few fixtures. Uh, Liverpool's next four games are all very winnable mid-table teams. In City's next four, they both, I think they play Chelsea and Spurs. But this is the in, thing. In, so it, it's potentially a defining little time. Yeah, and in the past, Liverpool have, you know, struggled against those so-called uh, winna- winnable teams, you know. This season they haven't, but... I think in the past they have, and, and that's that's the important thing. They need to get over this game as quickly as possible, and it does really does depend on the Champions League. If if City crash out of the Champions League or Liverpool do, they've got a free run at the at the league, haven't they? But if they both go far like they did last time, and they play each other, who knows what kind of effect that would have on them? Yeah. And um, but it's fascinating, and and like like Al says, you can't discount Tottenham. You know they're definitely in the mix, and. Um, it's it's brilliant, brilliant to see, and it's it's refreshing because last season, as as wonderful as it was to watch Pep Guardiola's, um, you know, stranglehold on the competition, it, it was a bit dull, wasn't it? I mean, and at least we know now that we are in a proper shootout for the title. Yeah, I have said this a few times about being a City fan, though. It, it, and like you say, it does, is a bit dull. Even winning five nil, it should be a great thing. Oh my god, we've beat a team five nil. It's just like yeah. we've just done what's expected. That's what the, the other talk- city was. So it, yeah, just say, it's just great we've got a title the, race. The other interesting talking point that come out of this game, it was quite amused me, was this whole kind of neutral fans' perspective where they go, right, anybody but Liverpool. So, so people desperately want City to win a title. There's only one team I want to see win the league, and it's the same team every year, West Ham United. I, d- I don't. You so might. You might have a wait. <laughs> I think I've got a hell of a long wait. It will never happen. But um, they said that about Leicester, didn't they? Yeah. But um, no, it definitely won't happen with West Ham. I know that for sure. But yeah, it's just interesting that there there are fans out there who just don't want Liverpool to win the league. I don't personally. I can't quite understand that. But um, you know, I, I totally appreciate it from a Man United fans' perspective. They desperately, you know, they see Liverpool more as a rival than City, but I just find it odd. I found it quite entertaining. I mean, the, the area where I grew up, uh, kind of my teenage years, was Warrington, which is right in the middle of Manchester and Liverpool. So obviously all my Facebook friends and stuff are all, you know, there's a lot of United fans in there and City and Liverpool. And I found it really entertaining going through Facebook last night and watching all the kind of other panic of the United fans going, we don't really know what to do. And some of them trying to justify the fact that they're supporting City and Things like that. I thought, I thought, I thought it was really entertaining. Yeah, um, it is. It's, it's, it's nice that they're... There's uh, a campaign going, isn't it, to sort of get the best clubs to lend their players to City, but I don't think City need any uh, players given to they, them. They to don't need help in that regard, <laughs> do they? Yeah, they definitely have the, the best squad. Um, moving on from that game anyway, um, the transfer window is open. Uh, open for business, obviously, all the latest you can find on the Mirror Football website through our Transfer Live blog and obviously plenty of breaking stories throughout. Um, one big deal has gone through already, although we won't see the player in the Premier League until the summer. And Christian Pulisic, uh, Alex, you watch plenty of Bundesliga football. Um, we have watched him in the past and you know we know he's a good player, but what do you think he'll bring to the Premier League? I think he's a, he's a very good player that in, in terms of... Chelsea have got an area now where Eden Hazard's future is up for discussion still. Willian and Pedro are both the wrong side of 30. This is a part of their team that they really need to strengthen and he will do that. Um, you question, I think they've overspent. But then you have to realise that this is the era we're in. So, you know, 20 years old, American international, all the marketing possibilities that brings, very talented boy. I don't see him being a failure there. Um, you look at it this season... Jadon Sancho has taken his place in the Borussia Dortmund team. That's not because Pulisic is doing anything particularly badly. It's just Jadon Sancho is quite amazing. He's, he's a phenomenon. Um, Pulisic, bit of a difficult year for him. 
in and out. But it's a good signing for Chelsea. I think he he brings movement, he brings pace, he brings versatility. And now they just have to really go and tie down Eden Hazard. Say Hazard did leave in the summer, because obviously it's always going to be the talk. And surely on the next international break, Eden Hazard will say, as he does every international break, I really, really want to play for Real Madrid one day. <laughs> He's very good at drip, dropping that one in in the international breaks. Is Pulisic a direct replacement? Is he good enough to be a direct replacement no. for Eden Hazard? No. So he, he won't get the goals that Eden Hazard gets. He's he's not got that arrogance Eden Hazard has. You know, Eden Hazard will take the ball in any position and, and just deal with it. And then embarrass defenders. Pulisic is very he's very clever, good movement, little give and goes around the corner, and he will chip in with goals and assists, but he, he's not that big game-changing player that Hazard is. See, what what I found really fascinating about all of this is that Maurizio um, Sarri claimed that he had no idea that Chelsea was signing Christian Pulisic. So what does that say about his long term? Well, he said, he said there's already some fans, you know, dissenting about uh, Sarri already. They don't like his style of football. He said they asked him about a month ago, do, do you rate him? And he gave his opinion, said, yeah, he's a good young player. And then that's it. Turns up and, oh, we're, we're signing him today. Yeah. <laughs> Terrific. Great. Um, you know, it's this new head coach thing, isn't it? Managers is a who are involved yeah. in everything are no longer really in vogue. You've got sporting directors doing that, scouting and whatnot. And head coaches just have to get on with it. And that's Sarri's remit to work on the training ground with what he's given. And he'll sell a few shirts when he Pulisic, certainly in America, is he's, he's their best player that they've probably produced ever. He's, the, he's the one that they're really pinning um, their hopes on. Yeah. Um, so, and then Chelsea, of course, will play in the States almost certainly in the summer. So he'll probably make his debut there. So, you know, it's a win-win for, for them off the field. On the field, you know, let's not forget that Pulisic has probably lost his place to Jadon Sancho at Dortmund. That's probably the one player who's actually squeezed him out in a sense. That's why Dortmund, they're so, he's, so he's, shrewd, aren't they? With the, f- the money they He's bring a in. freak talent, though. He's absolutely frightening. The output he's producing the goals the assists the moments of sheer quality he's unbelievable what, what I think Sancho does highlight though is that um, there are talented boys already at the clubs and they're not being pushed now I wonder if let's use Callum Hudson Adoy for instance who's you know could be on his way to Bayern Munich Chelsea already turned down two bids for him had he had been at uh, Dortmund would Chelsea be buying him and would they be, you know, would Pulisic, had he been at Chelsea, be going the other way? This, what my point is here is that Chelsea, over the past few years, have absolutely dominated, you know, academy football. They've won FA Youth Cups, you know, they've won FA Youth, um, sorry, Premier Leagues and things like that. So why are they not looking to what they've got and using Dortmund as an example to say, well, hang on, we give, they're giving these kids a chance and their value is suddenly 60 million quid. We've already got players like that at our disposal. They just need a chance. And Ma- I think managers just aren't, aren't willing to risk this it. This is what it comes down to. And it comes down to a lot of short-termism because those Chelsea managers haven't been there long enough. They're not there to build a club. They're there to just get the results and stay in the job as long as possible. But I think English football needs to look at this because well, there's so many players who are, who are willing to go abroad now. And that's what worries me when they should be playing in the Premier League. Will English... Football, in a way, and this approach to young players, will it change given the kind of almost influx of, I was going to say, of German coaches in the in the Premier League? And the fact that Jurgen Klopp did the same with Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, and you know gave he him did. a chance and yeah. he's turned into a superb player. Yes. We've now got Ralph, um, I can never say his name right, Harsen Hootel, is that yeah. right? Ha- Hassan Hootel? Harsen yep. Hootel? Well, Who's Austrian? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> See? But, anyway, anyway, but he comes from, he comes yeah, from German yeah. football and he, he comes yeah. from that mould. We're going to see that maybe like Southampton. 
you know, is there now, with a few more faces like that, could we see a change in in English football in the approach to young Possibly, players? and what I would say is that I've got I quite like the idea of English players going abroad. Sometimes I think it is good for their careers, but I don't want to see it as a permanent solution. I want them over here playing in the Premier League because that's essentially the the shot window for for Gareth Southgate for his England team. And I think we've got so many talented players. We've won. World Cups, don't forget, under 17s, under 19s, under 20 level. So this is the time where Premier League clubs should be going, all right, let's, let's back our boys. West Ham have benefited from it. You know, two players spring to mind already. Declan Rice, who looks better and better every time I watch him. And uh, Grady Diagana, both come from the youth team. This, you know, really this season, if they've made a, a case for a regular foot, first-team football, it's great to see. So... And there's other players you can pinpoint in the Premier League too. So I think we just need to give youth players more of a chance in 2019. That's what I'd like to see. Yeah. So I think uh, he's right. But the issue is that Premier League clubs have made a rod with their own backs. Yeah. With the amount of money that has come into the game and the amount of money that, to be quite frank, has been wasted on average players. And teams from abroad see them coming in that respect. You know, you could argue Borussia Dortmund have seen Chelsea coming with Pulisic for that fee um, and because of the amount of money in the Premier League it's meant that foreign clubs you likes of Dortmund have to adapt and have to change so they've been scouting young tournaments for youth players and that's where they're getting the knowledge of the English players from you know Dortmund knew all about Jadon Sancho when he was 14 Yeah, it's that sort of thing and then they're willing to give them opportunities and then you look at look at the markup value they get on on the player. They probably brought in yeah. Sancho for oh, what was it now? Like less than a million or something like that, yeah. wasn't it? I think eight and million would be the entire. Yeah. Di- you know they did it with Usman Dembele. Yeah. Paid, paid twelve million for him after he'd had a From year Rens, at, a it? year at Ren. Yeah. Having already known about him when he was fifteen, did all the due diligence, kept in touch with the player's family. He's there a year. They sent him for a hundred million to Barcelona. And it hasn't hasn't hurt him at all, has it? I mean they're top of the Bundesliga at the moment and. Doing well, they're probably you know they've got a decent chance against Spurs in, in Champions League, haven't they? So, yeah. I think we all just want German football in the UK, don't we? The kind of <laughs> all that approach, and also then the, the big yellow wall terrace. Oh, so much drinking in the stand. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's all. When, when do we do our German football podcast? Yeah, well, we do. I mean, when are you going to fly us out there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, transfer window still. Um, we we all talk about the big clubs. We know what they want, what they need because they they got a lot of press. Sitting in front of me are two fans of mid-table teams. We obviously have West Ham, you, Matty, and Wolves with you, Alex. Uh, Matty, I'll start with you. What do West Ham need, this transfer window? I just need some players who won't get injured. Um, <laughs> West Ham have had so many injuries this season. They've been so unlucky. They always are. Um, they've moved training grounds. They've tried new managers and new backroom staff. Just the same old problems. But I think really West Ham need, um, need a decent midfielder. And um, I think the foot... The fullbacks are a long-term issue because they've tried Cresswell and Masuaka at the left and sort of both in and out, replacing each other. And right back, you've got brilliant Pablo Zabaleta, but realistically, he's only got about another year in him at the top level, hasn't he? So that that's an issue. But striker, you always want a decent striker. Um, I think that's what West Ham need. But Nasri, I'm looking forward to seeing him come in, actually. I know he's not played for a couple of years, but... You know, he he could be someone that sort of fits the West Ham style, if you like. So, technically, he's, he's an excellent player. But I don't think West Ham need a lot. They just need their players who are injured to get back to, to form. But, interestingly, the players that could go out, Reese Oxford, we're talking about young English players. Yeah. Um, 
amazingly in there. I don't he's not know getting a look in, is he? He's not getting a look in. He's, he's completely sort of fallen out of favour. He just doesn't want to be at West Ham, from, from what I understand. And um, I think he's, again, German clubs are interested. Much and Gladbach had him on loan, and I think they'd be more than open to having him back again. But the, the talk is, uh, from our own John Cross, that... You know, he, he fancies a move to Arsenal, and I think Arsenal would be willing to kind of entertain it, which is I find it staggering, really. Um, but he needs he needs a loan move for sure if that is going to materialise. Yeah. Uh, Alex, for you, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, great start to the season. You had a little wobble, but you got you got past it. Uh, what do Wolves now need to kick on and uh, first of all secure a top half finish, if not pushed for being best of the rest? Um, they need a striker. If we're, if we're being quite honest about it, like Tammy Abraham, um, whether they can get a deal done and whether he's even allowed to play is a different matter. Um, so they, they're keen on that. Raul Jimenez has done very well, goals and assists, but he's only on loan and it's going to cost £30 million to sign him permanently. Um, and what they do need is, is a midfielder with with the ability to run at opponents and and to do the little bit in the final third that breaks down a stubborn defence, because that's what they've been having trouble with, breaking down teams that sit men behind the ball. Wolves are great when they're allowed space and can counter-attack, but they're finding real difficulties, as they saw against Crystal Palace overnight at home, against these deep blocks where they say, come on, come and have a go at us. And Wolves have a little problem with those sorts of questions. James Madison would have been ideal last summer. He's done really well at Leicester. He's the sort of player that they need. Cool. Well, I mean, I'd say... It's almost certain that Man United will buy somebody, and we're already talking about defenders. Um, Kalidou Koulibaly from Napoli seems the, the the obvious shout at the moment. Although, can you see United parting in a hundred million pounds? That, that would be the real kind of question mark the, over the, that. But the, 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 Toby, they um, said they'll back Solskjaer, haven't they? This this window, they'll they'll back his decisions. Yeah, well, as he said today, that you know things like that would have been decided months ago. Anyway, they've got their list of targets, and it's just a matter of uh, you know. Again, I guess he gives his, his, his opinion. And, yeah, and and it's that kind of thing, really. That's that's the way the modern transfers work. But I'd say it's not just United are doing fantastic on the Solskjaer and have really put themselves back in the mix for a top sport, top four spot. So defensively, they do need improving. That's where they're leaking at the minute. So they. They really should go and spend hundred million if it guarantees them a Champions League place next season. But I would say the team that really should buy and they haven't spent a penny all season, don't forget, Tottenham Hotspur. And Pochettino's been told you need to clear the decks first because there's still a bit of dead wood there that we need to get rid of. So players like uh, Fernando Lorente, for instance, who amazingly turned up on the radar of Real Madrid. I read earlier this week that he was on a wish list. Which would uh, be one of the stranger man. transfers. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think that's absolutely bizarre. Maybe La Liga is the best place for him, but then you've got other players there like um, Vincent Janssen still on the books, um, Victor Wanyama, Moussa Dembele. Like, these are players that are probably big earners. Got that. And, and Kudu, aren't they? And Kudu. He, he's, he's still you there. Know, he, he came in from Monaco, didn't he? And, and, you know, everyone thought he could be a good signer. So. Yeah, I think Spurs have got a real opportunity going into their new stadium, but they need to they need to get a marquee signing. Really, I think the issue with Spurs though is he, he's got he's got a set first eleven pretty much, hasn't he, Pochettino? Yeah. So, so how, if he's going to buy real quality, you know they're not going to replace Deli Ali. They're not going to replace Christian Eriksen, Harry Kane. Yeah. So it's it's what are you bringing in? But then so. they lose they lose Son this month. He goes off to the uh, the Asia Games, so they they do need to bring somebody in. If they want to sustain that challenge, so we're talking about a three-horse race for the for the title, but it can quickly change 
if they haven't got numbers. And it, all it takes is a couple of injuries. Yep, certainly does. Um, so, yeah, that'll do us, guys. Uh, is FA Cup this weekend? I know we haven't really mentioned uh, the FA Cup. The ties, I've got to say, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I pretty much see all of... Monday, the, at least, Monday at least nights. The big, the big six going through. Sorry, Alex. Uh, when... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll, I, won't, I won't even bother watching them. <laughs> um, I, I just, I, I, I just think I think the draw has been very kind to, uh, to, to to the big Premier League teams. Anyway, do you, do you honestly think that? Uh, I think Wolves might. This is Acast recommends. Every week we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. I think they might win, you know. All depends on the teams that are put out, doesn't it? Yeah, you and, know, I, and I, this is day. what annoys me. Again, we'll, I have to use West Ham here, but... It's a competition that really we should be saying, this is the one we want to win. We can't win the league. We're out of the Carabao Cup a long time ago. We've got Birmingham from the Championship in form at home. But I can guarantee you now, Pellegrini will rest a lot of players. And you know, and you do kind of understand because, like I say, there's been a lot of games over Christmas and the squad's been decimated by injuries. But as a supporter, I want to see a trophy. Yeah. If, you're, if you're not in the Premier League's top six and you're not at the very heart of that relegation battle there's no reason to not take the FA Cup seriously yeah Yeah. Um, I say one of my uh, big bugbears of the FA Cup is the the, the rotation of players I I, I love the competition still Um, it's the goalkeepers that gets me flanners it's like oh he's been our sub keeper all season you know but we feel obliged to stick him in net for a cup game why? If, if he's not good enough to start a league game Keep him on the bench. I get that, but every team needs a sub goalkeeper, doesn't they? So they've got to play at some point. Yeah, it's, it's not like any other sub who can just come off the bench. Yeah, but they, they play minutes. Minutes. So That's probably, that's probably my my least bugbear. <laughs> it, 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 I'd, I'd much rather your sub keeper plays than you make ten changes and keep your number one in. Yeah, but then when you get to the final and the sub keeper's still playing, it's like I, I'm not having that. I'm really not having it. Yeah, and I've seen team look, look at City when they rested Joe Hart. Against Wigan all those years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good, fi- goal, good final that was, wasn't it? Costel Pantelimon. Yeah. No. <laughs> Pantelimon was a good goalkeeper. No, he's not. <laughs> he's just tall. <laughs> he's not. Uh, he, all right, he's, he's better than me anyway. If he was anyway, five but... foot 11, would he be a goalkeeper? That's your question. Not at that level. You've not, not seen Nottingham Forest this season, the amount of goals they've leaked late on. Yeah. But anyway, um, no, yeah. look, FA Cup, fantastic competition and... I just don't think it gets the respect it deserves. I completely agree with that. Um, guys, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you very much for listening as well. Uh, if you don't subscribe to us already, uh, we are on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Acast. Uh, we're wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, we will actually we'll be back next week. Uh, probably look talking about it's the FA you. Cup. It's up to you, Aaron, really. I, I know. We'll uh, say we might be, but yeah, we will be back next week. We'll be back next week. Uh, we'll talk about the FA Cup and uh, look ahead to uh, quite an... 
it'll be a fun little running now, isn't it? We're in the we're in the second half of the season, the Premier League. So that's all about uh, Carabao Cup, next week, aren't we? Uh, yeah, Carabao Cup, Carabao Cup semi-finals coming up. Uh, so plenty going on. Uh, so plenty to talk about, and uh, we'll be back next week. So until then, take care. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.